0: Hi, it's Lynn Galadner and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now, I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. I've had eight books published already, and I just finished my second novel, so stay tuned for news about when and where you can read it. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngalodner.com, and you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast, where you'll find stories of courageous people daring to share their talent with the world. Now, on to the show. Sarah Bennett Wheeler writes young adult novels that are contemporary and realistic with a twist, like something in the paranormal or sci-fi realm. Her debut novel, Rival, came out in 2011. A journalist by training, Sarah worked at newspapers before getting into marketing, which remains her day job. She has written scripts and copy for major brands like Crest, Oral-B, and Swiffer. A native of Manhattan, Kansas, Sarah sang in all the local choirs and wrote for her high school newspaper before attending University of Kansas, where she majored in voice performance and later transferred to journalism school. Today, Sarah lives in Cincinnati with her husband, two daughters, and a lot of pets. I am thrilled to welcome Sarah Bennett-Wheeler to the Make Meaning Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Me too. I'm so fascinated by how you straddle the worlds of marketing and creative writing, because I also have worked as a journalist and then in marketing, and so I guess you could say that's still my day job, but writing is my first love. I'm assuming that's the same for you. Yes, Um, yes. So tell me about when you began writing creatively and how that led you into the YA realm.
1: Well, I I started writing creatively very young because my mom was an English teacher. Ah. Um, So, you know, I just kind of grew up, she was always reading um, and and then, you know, grading her students' papers. So I, you know, I saw people working on their writing from the beginning. Um, She was also, British literature was her kind of specialty, so um, every Sunday night, uh, Masterpiece Theater would be on PBS. So we would. one of my it.
0: favorites. one and, of my favorites. I love it.
1: So So you know, Austin, Bronte, um, Shakespeare, I kind of got all that at a young age. And um, you know I just remember one of the coolest things for me was getting a blank notebook. Uh-huh. Um, because then I could fill it up with stories. And It was just an urge I had, I think, just because being surrounded by fiction and writing from such an early age. And then, um, t- I, you know, I was always kind of an English wonk, you know, all the way through high school. I did the AP classes and and writing was always something I knew I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to journalism, which <laughs> I thought that that would be a good way to use my writing um, interests and talents, but kind of quickly found that journalism is a lot more about um, gathering information and, you know, exposing corruption. And so uh, it it was great training in terms of, you know, working on deadline and taking feedback on my writing, but it wasn't really very satisfying creatively. So um, I kind of had a revelation, literally like one night I was sitting on my couch and I was like, you know what? if I do not write something that is came just for me, was not assigned from an editor, does not have to do with city council zoning. <laughs> I'm going to have a mental health emergency. Like I really <laughs> just knew I was like, I have, I've got to get something out of me that that's creative. So sat down, started writing a book and it mm. ended up being young adult. Like the, the voice that came out was, was a teenager and it just always feels that way. Um, mm. Whenever I'm working on something or I have a story idea, for some reason, it's always coming from a perspective of a 17 or 16 or 17 year old. And I and I don't know why that is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Was there something significant about that age for you that you're just sort of like going back there?
1: You know, um, I, think, I think we all kind of look back on um, that time in our lives. And there are things that we remember and maybe wish we'd done differently or things that Maybe we didn't do that we wish we'd done. Yeah. that were interesting to us. That we kind of just went a different path for. So I just think it's a really rich playing ground for for all sorts of um, stories to come out of. And you know, none of my stories are really autobiographical. Um, some have been kind of sparked by some things I remember, some things that happened, some relationships I had um, that that gave me the kernel for the idea. Mm-hmm. But then they always branch out and kind of become their own
0: thing, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I teach a lot of writing classes. And recently, my students asked about how to make money at writing. Oh. And so one of them was like stunned that writing might not be the best path for a steady income. And, you know, i <laughs> reconciled myself to the idea that my other talents and career pursuits are necessary for funding my writing. Yeah. So I wonder how you feel about this.
1: Yeah, so, you know... Um, I, I do make a very good living as a writer. Okay, uh-huh. I do not make a good living as an author. So uh-huh. I think there's there's a distinction to be made. You know, I do always want to encourage people um, who love to write that that there's a big demand for, for content creation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's not always the most creatively fulfilling, but it is often a lot of fun. I work with a lot of brands um, that, that have cool things to talk about and cool voices and being able to write well um, is, is a talent that's always in demand. Okay. And it's, it's always going to be something that you can use um, for a livelihood. Now, um, you do have to reconcile it with the idea that you may, may not make a living as a best-selling author writing for publication, you know, depending on how prolific you are, what genre you're in, um, and how, you know, good you are at kind of hustling and it can be done, but it, it also is kind of capricious, you know, you, is that book going to sell? Um, do you have enough books in the pipeline, um, to keep you afloat. Um, you know, do you have good health insurance? (laughs) Do you have (laughs) a partner that has good health insurance? Um, Uh it's possible. Um, I'm not sure if I'm completely answering the question, but, but I do want to be encouraging to anybody who is trying to make a living as a writer that, you know, I do think marketing content creation um, that kind of thing is is really good to immerse yourself in to kind of um, make the ends meet while you do your creative work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about your publishing mm-hmm. journey. Like, how did your debut novel rival find its publisher?
1: Yeah. Um. You know, I my publishing journey. You know, started with that first book that um, I sat down and wrote that went nowhere. Uh-huh,
0: <laughs> it was of course.
1: It was my kind of practice book. Um. Then I wrote a I wrote rival and, and another book kind of in tandem and finally got to a point where, um, I was ready to query and, and try to find an, uh, an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one experience, uh, the frayfors agent I got was kind of a, a little bit of a hot mess and, and, ah. I- I had to sever that relationship and um, before finding Holly Root, who is my agent has been for for um this all this time and she's absolutely wonderful root literary uh-huh. uh interesting story. She first went out with the the book that was not rival, the second mm-hmm. book that i would okay. written. and we got we were told we were gonna get an offer. Mm. Um, we were already, um, and then they went, ended up going to, uh, another one more meeting with leadership who decided, no, there was there would be no offer.
0: Oh, what a bummer. These,
1: these kinds of heartbreaks happen all the time in publishing, right? So yeah. get a thick skin, get used to it. Okay. Um, Holly went back out with rival, got, got great response from Harper teen, but they did want a revision before they made the final offer. Okay. So again, you're going to hear that a lot. Get used to um, having people tell you that your work, your book needs work. Okay. So I went back and did the required work, and then they made the offer, um, okay. and the book came out. So that was <laughs> that was how it happened. You know, very little I think is is straight and narrow.
0: And so, what happened with subsequent books after that one?
1: My next book was kind of a digital only. Uh, it was called Rush. That came out with Bloomsbury Spark. And then I I had kind of a fallow period. I continued to write. I had a few things that I wrote that uh Holly took out on sub and they didn't sell. And again, yeah. another lesson to learn if you're in yeah. publishing, that yeah. will happen.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um finally I wrote Now and When. Um and honestly, I I wasn't expecting a lot from it. I just I wrote it during a time when, when I was going through a lot in my life, um, my, my, both my parents passed away oh. about a week of each other. And it was, oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a lot. And that, you know, writing has always been something that kind of keeps me afloat men- with my mental health and um, yeah, something to occupy me. So I sent it off to Holly and uh, didn't expect anything. And lo and behold, somebody was interested, mm. but again, they said, we want you to Rework it. Uh huh. Uh huh. And the funny thing about it was, they were like, "It's so sad. Why is it so sad? <laughs> this should be a rom com. Why is this book so sad?" And I'm like, "Well, probably because I was like planning funerals and settling <laughs> estates <laughs> while I was writing it." Uh huh. Uh-huh. So reworking that actually helped me kind of come to a better place and work through some of my own grief, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a two book deal. So that um, second book led to great Things Like Love, which was the book that came out here in October.
0: Okay. Okay. Very cool. So, what happened to the books in the middle that, that didn't go anywhere? Did you, I mean, how do you feel about them now?
1: Two of them I just reworked and okay. sent back to Holly because I just couldn't get them. I, I, I kept going back to them and I was like, there's something here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think they're good. I just yeah. think I didn't execute them. Uh-huh. quite in the way I that I could have and now that I've learned and grown and my writing has come a long way um I'm looking at them with different eyes mm-hmm. and um and I went back through and kind of gave them a new life okay and so I I have sent them back and, and I'm curious to see what happens
0: mm-hmm.
1: with those um I will be honest there was one book I wrote which I think is one of the best ideas I've ever had okay and I just I don't know how to execute it I I look back on it and I still think it's a really great idea and I really want something to come of it. But I think what I, what I might need to do is um, find a co-author.
2: Mm, okay. <laughs> I,
1: I need somebody who's good at historical fiction too because there's kind of like... There are different chunks of time periods that need to be written. Um, and I'm very good at contemporary. Mm-hmm. I think for the writing that would need to happen, um, that takes that would take place in more of an earlier time period, I'm not sure I have the chops. I love the idea. I you know, it's it just it haunts me. I want to make it work. I'm yeah. not sure how.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where do you find your ideas for your novels?
1: All over the place. You know, like I said, there there were a couple of things that, you know, one of of my books, Rush, was about sorority rush. And I got Mm -hmm. that idea because, you know, I went home, I grew up in a college town Mm -hmm. and I was in a sorority. Uh And I was home visiting my family, and sorority rush was happening there in the college town. And I was like, you know what? There's so much there. There's so much conflict. There's so much drama. There's so much. (laughs) And it takes place within a nice, you know, tight time frame. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I got to write a book there. There's something there. So that, that book came from that. Uh-huh. You know, um, now and When was kind of inspired a little bit by um, social media now lets you um, kind of look at, at at people that you went to high school with and see yeah. each other as grownups and reconnect. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to, what if a, a, a girl could see a relationship that she didn't love, you know, with a person she really didn't care for and then see it into the future and see how it evolves. And that was a little bit sparked by that idea. Uh I also have kids uh, who are teenagers now and some of the things that they are interested in or have exposed me to um, have led to some ideas Yeah, and great things like love. um, I actually worked as a journalist for several years and that idea came to me because I planning to write a feature story on a family-owned funeral home okay and I ended up getting a different job but I always thought wow like being a teenager in that setting would be cool. so yeah yeah I mean ideas kind of come from all over the place but it has to be something that that I never really know the whole story but it has to be a kernel that I'm like there there's conflict here there's you know a tight time frame there's something I can work with and I yeah
0: can't. yeah you said that great things like love was your favorite writing project so tell me why that was.
1: Well, I just loved the setting so much and it and it just had so many rich options for talking about family relationships and talking about big things like life and death. Um mm-hmm. talking, you know, about romance and boundaries and ang- my, my main character has anxiety. So there's some mental health things in there too. Mm-hmm. And and then um, you know, I I put some ghost hunting in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always fun too. Um uh-huh. Just, just so much about it was fun, and and also the character of Elaine, the main character, kind of felt the most like me of all the character I, characters I've ever written. Like, I really felt like I knew her mm-hmm. and liked her a lot, and and it was just fun to be in her world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, what has been the response to your books? Tell me about you know how they've how they've come out. Do you have this like following of teens? Like, what what has been the the reaction?
1: I do see authors who, you know, who have really loyal teen followings. A lot of them are, you know, fantasy authors. And yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm at that level yet. I would always love to be. Yeah. Um, I do have really lovely people um, in my life and people that I meet through my writing who will reach out and say that the book meant something to them. Nice. And that always, that that's why you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and any any time that I can connect with somebody like that, and especially if they are a teenager, you know, my I have a really lovely niece who is a big reader and she just sent me a a text saying she read the book and loved it. And that like
0: oh warmed my heart. She's my family, but she didn't have to say that, you know. (laughs) Right, right. She didn't have to read it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So do you how do you how do you promote your books? Do you do book tours? Do you speak at schools? Like what do you do?
1: Yeah, well, Promotion for authors is—it's kind of a, a a thing. It's a big thing. You know, you're expected to do quite a bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of us—it's not truly our forte. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, even though I work in marketing, it's funny. You know, I can talk. I can promote toothpaste mm-hmm. all day long. I can promote <laughs> a brand's uh, message. Uh-huh. Really, really well, but get you know connecting uh, with uh, my own work and trying to get it out there is daunting. So this time for great things like love, I actually hired a a publicity a team.
2: Okay, to help me.
1: I made the investment, and because it just you know now and when came out during the pandemic and that there were a lot of things that were headwinds that it was facing, and it it was difficult to promote a book on my own, kind of from my little pandemic house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: so this time, um, and I really am glad I did. Books Forward um uh, is the team that I work I am working with. Okay. Uh, and they've done a really good job helping me make the connections. And what's also nice is I think I've made some great connections with people that I'll continue to connect with.
2: Nice,
0: nice. Yeah.
1: And book tours, you know, and and school visits, those, those will come. I think a tour is, is always better if your um, publisher will kind of initiate <laughs> and you want it. And, and yeah. I can't say that I've been a big enough author for them to do that. So yeah.
0: It's interesting because, um, you know, because I have my own marketing company, because I, I've had a bunch of books out by um, small presses and I'm sort of like a rebel author, I, I like want to go the traditional route, but I also am tempted by self-publishing because I feel like you have to do so much anyway, like yes. maybe... It could be more successful. I don't know. I have friends who they make a lot more money from the books they publish on their own than they do from the ones that a publisher puts out. Did you ever think about self-publishing, or is that not was did that never occur to you?
1: I absolutely have. Um, and you're and you are right. It's like it is what it is in traditional uh-huh. publishing. You know whether or not you get that the support that you think you deserve um, or that you should have to help your book succeed is it's something you have to live with right yeah. and and you're going to do what you can on your own it, you might decide that maybe those resources are are best just all handled on your own i will say self publishing you know you you are then responsible for the copy editing and for a good hiring a good um designer to do a great cover um you know everything the quality control all that product is 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 your up to you as well yeah but you know some people really thrive on that like they want that control and i think it takes a personality, um, that maybe I don't think I have at the end of the day, but, but I truly admire, uh-huh. um, those authors that, that do, because I I've seen some that, that really, really are doing great. And a lot of those authors are pretty prolific too. Like they're able to, you know, they, they get a loyal following and they're able to continue to keep the pipeline going of, of good work. Um, yeah, consistently. yeah. if you can make it work, um, it's definitely a great way to go. You yeah. have to decide if you're up for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, big investment of time and effort and resources and you know all that. So yeah. what is your writing practice? Like do you write daily? Do you have a special spot in your home or like a ritual or routine? So I, I
1: do try to write daily. Um, I think we know you probably, it sounds like you know that um, the only way to write a book is to write, write the
2: book. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: um, and, and that's where the journalism training came in handy because, um, you know, I, I'm accustomed to sitting my butt down, um, I, you know, getting getting the work done. It's not always great, but you uh-huh. can't improve on something that you haven't done. Right. 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 I, I, I really prefer editing to writing. So I, I, I love, you know, when I've got it done, when I've got a chunk and I can sit down and really fix it. That's the fun part. Mm hmm. But I got to do that work. So what I try to do is I try to do at least 500 words a night, a okay. day or a night. Okay. Um, and, and often it is kind of in the evening. Um, I often will do it up in bed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I love sitting outside and working. Yeah. Um, but, but I do challenge myself. And even if they're crappy words, like yeah. I try not to worry too much. Often, I think maybe you've had this experience, Uh, it'll be a grind to get those 500 words out. And I'll be like, Oh, my God, this this was terrible. And then the next day, I'll I'll read back through and I'm like, that was actually pretty good. Sometimes, sometimes when I think I'm on a roll, and and I'm like, Oh, I'm really writing some great stuff. I'll go back and read it. And I'm like, Oh, that's terrible. When I when I'm doing the 500 words, and it was the huge grind. Sometimes those are the best five hundred words I write. Does that make yeah. sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it is interesting because sometimes I'll come back to some writing and I'm like, when did I do that? That's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Like, because like when you're in it, you just can't see it. You have to get yeah. a little bit away from it and, and then be able to have some perspective. So that's such a treat when you discover that you wrote something great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yay me. You know? so, yeah, yes. yeah.
1: And you do, you know, I I really admire some authors who I I know some who write really well right out of the gate, you know, like yeah. they, they can really churn it out. And it, and it's good first draft. Like you said, I had to get some distance. So sometimes yeah. it has to marinate like, like, I'll write it and it has to sit for a little while I have to go back with fresh eyes to really be able to, to evaluate how good it was.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So um, as our conversation comes to a close, what advice might you offer to aspiring writers?
1: write, you have to write, you can't, I'm not a big, I'm not a big believer in the muse and writer's block. And, um, you know, I don't mean to minimize that. I, I do know people definitely have true creative block and that is a thing, but, yeah. but you really have to just do the work, put it in and you'll be surprised at how it adds up. You'll be surprised at how good it can be yeah. even when you think it's not um, do the work, but then also don't be afraid to get feedback. So, um, sharing your work with others,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. getting a critique, uh, group, if you are lucky enough to get an editor, um, be thick-skinned and, (laughs) and take the critique. You know, if there's something that someone is telling you about your writing that doesn't, doesn't connect, give it some time. And often the things that I find that strike me the most offensively like oh my gosh they obviously (laughs) didn't get what I was trying to do there sometimes I go back very actually very often and that was the piece of that was the piece of feedback that was the most critical yeah so really 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 be objective and willing to take that critique and make it work better
2: and then just keep
0: trying I mean honestly publishing it's a long game
2: it's a long game trying
0: yep Yep. Yep. So what's on the horizon for you? What's next? Okay. So
1: I'm, I'm working on a book right now that is frying my brain,
0: Oh, really frying my brain because
1: I, I want to, I want to do like a puzzle box kind of mystery story. I,
2: uh-huh.
1: It's another one of those big idea pieces, like the one I I talked about yeah. where it never went anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in love with this idea and I'm about, about six chapters in and really, 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 really hoping I can figure it out because uh-huh that's what's next but also holly has the other two books that i maybe maybe those will sell in the meantime but yeah uh, as i wait on that i've got i've got the mystery box and it's like really frying my brain
0: (laughs) so are you a plotter or a pantser which do you do
1: a little bit of both
0: okay
1: um i'll pants it until i get to a point where i feel like i need to i need to plot and then i like to diagram i get like um graph
2: paper yeah Because I
1: like to be able to draw arrows and connections, like I'll just kind of start brainstorming, and then I'll draw. So, um, you know, I'll get myself to a certain point, and then I'll pants it a little more. And I don't know, I'm a little bit, I'm I'm all over the place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah, I totally get it. Well, Sarah, it's so great to talk with you. I hope both of those books sell. And I hope the big, great, big idea now is going to totally work and, and you'll be like right writing high for it. So we'll look for all those titles from you.
1: Okay, well, thank you. And good luck to you, too. I, I I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Oh, it's
0: been such a pleasure to talk with you. And I really appreciate you being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning podcast with Lynn Galodner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or Lynn Galadner.